I'm just curious as to how this whole process works. So we're recording into your computer. Yeah. Saving a file. He's and we're gonna send it to him. He'll match it up. Exactly. You got it. But he, he can hear us because we're on a FaceTime through your phone. Yes. I like it. Oh, Jacob. Jacob appreciates this. This is 8 p.m. Jacob going on right now. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> I just wanted to also say some free pre-flight instructions, which is that I do edit this podcast pretty heavily. So feel free to restate stuff if you mess up. Yeah, fair enough. Feel free not to and get it right the first time like a pro. That was something <laughs> I wanted to ask actually, like on the record was like, what's the process look like? For mm, making one of these podcasts? That's a great question. Wow. Getting behind the scenes. No, we don't. Okay. Yeah. The reason we don't talk about this very often is because there are some podcasts where like all they do on the podcast is talk about like the technical difficulties they have with their equipment and like setting mm. everything up. Oh, that's fair. And I get annoyed when podcasts talk about how they do it too much and lots like the entire show. Right. I want them to just actually talk about content. Especially if you haven't noticed it. I just want all the technical issues to be edited out forever and never to be seen again. One of my first podcasts I listened to was a history podcast and like it was bad. Like it was like homeboy speaking into his computer mic <laughs> just straight up He's speaking into his <laughs> no. webcam like, mic monotone giving the history of world war ii and i love the history of world war ii so i listened to it but after i listened to a couple other podcasts i was like this is terrible quality oh man <laughs> poor guy and then like 80 episodes in he's like wow i really like the support you guys are giving me i might actually be able to get some new equipment and i'm like bro there's like four people listening and one of them just gave you 20 bucks like, was it hardcore history it was like 20 episodes in and we were about to the start of the war in world war ii what i know it how was long were the episodes like an hour what <laughs> it's like that's almost a day's worth of content and like hitler was about to invade uh poland oh my gosh <laughs> that's insane i think where i finally stopped and like picked up other podcasts that just like took over by like far and away i was like into the battle of britain somewhere which wow. is still like the first year of the war. <laughs> That's so insane. Do you want to name drop what that podcast was? I think it was called The History of World War II. Huh. I want to say that's what it was called i don't remember that makes sense <laughs> as recorded by some guy's webcam mic that's right that's right <laughs> at least for everything i listen to i'm gonna switch to my webcam mic as a joke now do it no i'm, I'm not no oh, come on <laughs> uh let's see here can i switch in facetime to my webcam mic that's what it sounds like yeah <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I'm just going to keep it on this like Please do. <laughs> Enjoy. Uh, man. He, he found the yeah. podcast. The History of World War II podcast by Ray Harris Jr., is that it? I think so. Yep. Wait, play a little bit. Play like the latest episode. With American Express Business Platinum, you can earn five times oh, got sponsors. points on flights and prepaid hotels booked on AmexTravel.com. Oh, the Italians had not been keeping up with the latest war technology like radar. Cunningham would say of this it subject, like he's the Italians were no further advanced terrible, than they had still... been at Jutland 25 years before. Yeah, it sounds decent. It sounds like he's gotten some pointers. This was the one from like this week. When did you in, when did you discover him? I would have started listening to podcasts in general in 2018 when I started working at Crane. Wow. Yeah. This man. So this was probably November of that year that I started listening to this podcast. Wow. I've actually never picked up a podcast in current day without going back to the beginning and catching up. Yes, that's exactly what I do. That's exactly what I do. My favorite podcast I've said before is Axonal Tech Podcast, which is on episode, I think, like 460 this week or something. A lot. And 
I, I went back to episode one once I knew I liked it right. <laughs> and caught up. And like in retrospect, I probably shouldn't have done it because how useful is 2011 Apple News? Not very useful. But I just wanted to get a feel for all the shows inside jokes and everything. So I completely had the, the whole picture instead of just coming on at the end. That's fair. That's very fair. All right, welcome back, Joe. Well, you're back in Bloomington. Isn't that nice? It's so nice. Man, what a time. I went to Florida. It was so much fun. And it was warm, uh, which was a big draw for me because it's really not great here. (laughs) Um, But yeah, no, it was good. It was nice. It was warm. I got to see my brother. Shout out to Jack. uh, If he listens to... I, I wonder if he does listen to this. No way. He should listen to this episode, though, because... Today, we have the one and only Jacob Houston on. Huston. <laughs> That's right, Huston. Hello. So lovely to have you. I've wanted to have you on for a really long time because, besides being a cool person, you have listened to every single one of the episodes, I think, because you have a job that enables you to listen to podcasts. Yeah, I have an hour-long commute every day uh, there. Well, total, there and back. So there's some good podcast time there. Mm. when did you start listening to this sometime last year Got it. i want to say during the summer probably like june or july wow that's a lot of us saying things at once yeah <laughs> it was fun going back because there was like a solid year's worth of content to catch up on mm-hmm. and some of that was news and so it was funny to listen to like the new iphone is coming out this week mm. or just came out oh yeah and i was like oh Okay, that gives me a good timestamp of where we are in history right now. Yeah, 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 for sure. <laughs> I try to think about it where a lot of the episodes are good to go back and listen to because we're not talking about the new iPhone most of the time. We're talking about like books and things that will stand the test of time. But mm-hmm. yeah, some newsy stuff sneaks in. And so then you can date the episodes and they'll be out of date. It just is what it is. You know, we're getting old, Zachary. And it's, it's how it goes. <laughs> it was also cool to like you guys grow and change like we all grow and change over time. And so in the course of what was probably a month, I got a whole year of your guys' life. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's all condensed whoa, down wow. into one. So it was like oh. I would see you in person at various points while trying to catch up, but then be hearing you a year ago or two years ago. Time paradox. That's insane. Right. And then a week later, catching up to almost real life and, and getting the current day. How are you experiencing life? And like thinking about yourselves and the world around you. It was super cool. That is wild. Yeah. I like, but it is weird because I mean, obviously we don't talk about everything in our personal lives. If you, but I mean, if you wanted to get a general sense of like my general life, generally (laughs) from sophomore year, I mean, boom, it's right there on the internet. Exactly. Just for you. That's so weird. (laughs) I didn't think about that. Yeah. And I think maybe it meant more to me because I know both of you. Yeah. Um, not like super well, but like I know at least who you are and a little bit about you. Yeah. The average person doesn't care at all. But like if you already sort of know us, then you might think it's interesting to go and hear what we get up to Monday nights during the school year. Right. That's right. right. That's right. Yeah. It's a good time. Uh, already yawning. Yeah, no, it's been a long day. <laughs> yeah. What did you notice, Joe? You flew on a plane and you saw a very interesting observation. I'm tired because I got in my flight landed at like midnight last night, but I noticed it was, it's weird. 
have you guys ever noticed that streetlights can be different colors, like different hues of different colors? Like, um, for example, I know that CSF in the parking lot and even down on down Jordan um, used to be this like maroon slash bit like brownish. I don't know. It, it was a kind of an odd color. Yeah. But um, almost like the old yellow light. Yes. But like faded film light shade protector things yes yes it was a very specific color the technical term by the way (laughs) (laughs) for the uninitiated yes um (laughs) um but now they've changed it all out and they're like bright led Mm. white i guess lights almost with that blue hue yes like greenish neon alien like yeah aura which i assume lasts a lot longer yeah and don't require the city to be putting in new bulbs every five minutes. That's the theory. That's yes. That's the hope. <laughs> in practice, they might break, and you have to keep buying new ones and such. But it's a good idea on paper, I suppose. I don't know. I just I I wonder if there's because cause so from the plane, you know, looking out on it like over a city, I could see that like in residential areas, the the color was that brown mm-hmm. maroon color, and in like more pro- like what prominent streets it was the brighter white so i wonder if like is there a psychological thing going on with the colors is it to mark what's important and what's like out there like i don't know i don't know do you guys have any opinions slash know anything that i don't know about this i don't know i mean i lived at csf on the west side of the house Mm. so facing the stadium stadium uh the four years that i lived there yeah and my last year i was on the third floor with a even better view directly into the lights of memorial stadium at night every night mm. um that's that's, that's <laughs> which are the bright alien <laughs> bluish how'd you go to sleep uh i stayed up late and did homework <laughs> <laughs> it was actually a life hack it's not a bug it's a feature <laughs> that's right there you go no eventually i would just like i had to sleep with my head toward the wall mm. that was like whether my bed was on the left side of the room or the right side of the room like I had to have my face facing the wall to go to sleep. I've always kind That's of wanted kind of a room pe- up there. Like a really pe- peculiar thing. Yeah, yeah. It was kind of cool, except on laundry days. Oh. Taking laundry down three flights of stairs oh. was not fun. Yeah, that would suck. Does CSF not have one of those laundry shoot things where you just go and throw it all in? Oh. Not yet. That would be so cool. Bill, Bill Kirshner, if you're listening to this. At Bill. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So, but anyway, the lights. Yeah, the lights. I don't think there's a rationale behind it other than a lot of the streets are going to get updated more frequently. Mm. And so maybe we're just at a point in history where those lights have been updated and the residential ones haven't yet. I don't know. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I don't know. Because in my head, I think in my head, when I see the residential lights versus the like busy street light, mm-hmm. it is. Like, I don't know, subconsciously it tells me to go slower in a residential area. I don't know. It just, I don't know if that's just me or like, but the brighter lights encourage more speed, I think, to me Mm. at least. That's, that's what I experience. I don't know. Are you saying they're more old school yellowy neighborhood lights and then Mm -hmm. the white, bright, modern lights are on the busy road? Yes. And, you know, are way brighter? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Versus like 
oh, these creepy yellow lights, you can't see very well. There might be deer or something, so better go slow. Exactly. Like, I think that's totally accidental. I don't think there's this urban planner that's like, oh, yes, we must make the lights dim, and that way people will slow down. Because people that drive fast will be maniacs no matter what speed, mm-hmm. that, you know, no matter what the lights tell them. That's to do. true. That's true. But at the same time, I think that accidentally works out because neighborhoods, I would assume, have less budget to be putting in fancy schmancy LED lights. True. And then, yeah. you know, the busy roads that are well-maintained. So I'm not sure... What to tell you, but I, I guess from you, from your perspective, it's just like lines of bright lights on like interstates and things, and then like weird clusters and spirals of, of yellow lights and things. There's a place, I think it's inter or not interstate, Highway 31. If you go north of Indianapolis through Carmel, I think there's a point where they've done a lot of construction in the Carmel area, and then it transitions into like a standard Indiana state road with just two lanes. And goes off into the cornfields as you go north. And there's a transition, pretty stark transition, where it's like LED, 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 old light, old light, old light, old light. (laughs) (laughs) Gotcha. (laughs) Gotcha. And then it just switches to, oh, yeah, you're in the middle of a cornfield. Now you don't need to see anything. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Which is funny because then then you think about, I mean, how many many miles of road – are just not lit at night like uh, like so many so many that's creepy like mm-hmm. all of the back roads yeah if your car battery dies out there you're kind of screwed exactly you know and and then i said this before the podcast started but i feel like this could be a vox video like some somebody could actually look this up and and make a make an assumption and honestly if nobody's thought about it i feel like that's a that's a kind of a thing we should be taking advantage of you know because mm. like i said with the with the bright lights it's almost like okay like we can all see everything. Let's get going. You know what I mean? And with the, you know, dimmer, less powerful lights it, with a different color, it's sort of, I don't know. It just, it, it doesn't encourage speed, I guess, is what I would say. So anyway. We invited a lighting expert, Jimothy Johnson, to come on the scene. <laughs> Jimothy Johnson, what do you think about this amazing topic? And it'd be like from Kentucky University or, or something and be horrible audio quality. Yeah. <laughs> Kentucky. Well, so what you do is you've got the halogen lights that go on the slow road and the LED lights that go on the road. <laughs> Thanks, Jimothy. <laughs> oh, man. What a guy. Yeah. Anyway, it, that's just a theory. A game theory. And cut. And cut. Thank you. Yes, yes. I forgot that part. Oh, man. The best question ever. The most interesting question ever. What do you do for your job? And you could tell us what you do, but you have to kill us. This is true. Um, I am a scientist by education and by trade at this point. That's so cool. I mean, do you want to know more? I guess there's, there's more to that. As much I, as you can say. I like chemistry from a young age in like middle of high school. And then I went and I studied chemistry in college. And now I work as a scientist and a chemist in the professional world for the Navy. So I analyze materials and chemicals, measure properties, and tell people what things are. So they bring you unknown materials, and you say what they are? That's what, that's one of the jobs, yeah. Where do they get these unknown materials from? You would have to kill us if you told them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, man. That's crazy. Are you allowed to say why is it helpful for them to know what the materials are? So I work in the acquisition side of the Navy, so we're helping build the future of the Navy. So stuff that's coming out in the upcoming years. Oftentimes they're trying to figure out uh, what those materials are, what the best materials are going to be, stuff like that. Very interesting. Huh. 
And so you've worked there, what, for how many? Uh, Just over three years now. Three years. Yeah. Wow. And you've traveled for it too, right? I did do some travel in the pre-pandemic days. Oh. So that's one part of your job. Are there other parts of your job that are secretive as well? Oh, I mean, if they were secret, <laughs> then that's the, that's just the way it has to be. Uh huh. No, that's that's basically it. There's there's not really any anything special to it. I I go to work. I mean, I spend just as much time as any other professional on the job. Yeah. So, I mean, but you're like in a lab most of the time. Yeah. Man. You're like an actual scientist. Mm-hmm. That's so cool. It is. It is really cool. <laughs> wow. And there's there's a difference between scientists. There's like R and D scientists that do research and development. There's uh, QC scientists that do quality control. Um, I'm somewhere in the middle of those two. Gotcha. Some of the work I'm doing is to double check things. Some of the work I'm doing is to do like new research on new things. Man, that's. That's really cool. Now, this is not the only thing that you do as a... Yeah, well, I'll just leave it at that. This is not the only thing you do. This is true. Why don't you tell us about the other parts of your life? Yeah, uh, so there's... I mean, I'm a complicated human being, first of all. Um, <laughs> Come on. <laughs> <laughs> that was mostly a joke. You can cut it out. Um, <laughs> uh. I... Honestly, got bored about a year into my job where what I was doing at work was great and hanging out with friends after work was great. And when I wasn't hanging out with friends at work, it was like just watching TV shows, which was a new thing for me after college. So I got caught up on a few of them. And then I was like, after a year, I was like, that's a lot of wasted time. There's other stuff I want to do in life. I kind of always wanted to pursue firefighting. One of my good friends at the time was involved with a department here in Monroe County and convinced me to go out for it. So I gave it a shot and went through all the training over the course of about a year and started volunteering. And then that turned into a volunteer slash part-time gig. And then in 2021, I spent many, many hours (laughs) working (laughs) as a firefighter in my time outside of my full-time job. And that was really cool. Is that Friday, Saturday, Sunday kind of deal? Last year, it was any time after work during the week or on the weekend. Oh, my <laughs> oh gosh. Oh, no. It, uh, I put in my availability, and I generally left it pretty open um, unless I had something else planned. And then I, I worked, um, basically filled in for any of our full-time paid personnel when they were, whenever they took off for whatever reason. I would jump in. That's crazy. Now, is your so you're a volunteer firefighter? Mm-hmm. Is your station busy? Like, do you do a lot of calls? We do. Um, I'm closest to the west side of town, and so they stay pretty busy. Uh, they take between five and ten calls a day, on average. Wow. And generally, one of those is fire related. The others are generally medical related. Gotcha. So we've got EMTs and medical personnel. Gotcha. With equipment that can get to the rural areas faster than an ambulance and start mm. providing care. Gotcha. And then an ambulance ambulance shows up, takes over and then transports if we need to to the hospital. Cool. Yeah, I know. So past guest Soren uh, is now an EMT mm-hmm. and he is, he, he works at a country station. And so some nights he won't get any calls, right. you know? Um, but uh, you know, it's, I'd imagine cause what that fire station is one of how many in Bloomington or Monroe County? Oh, let's like see. Five? 
Or... We've got seven. Ellisville has two. Bloomington has five. Ellisville has so, two? Mm-hmm. There's one Does Steinsville three. count? No, and then there's also Steinsville. So there's, I think, 15 total in Bloomington. Wow. In, in County. Wow, that's a lot. Yeah. I mean, one Maybe cut that out. I don't want to give people an idea of where I live. You know I will. I'm not telling them. <laughs> I'm not I telling them where it is. I'm glad you said that because I was about to call them out <laughs> precisely as to which one it was. <laughs> Station <laughs> and Oh my gosh. <laughs> that was one thing that worried me like in the first season of this podcast, which is like you were like, I'm in 512 CSS. Like, oh gosh, uh-huh. just off saying Yeah. <laughs> but you're out now. So you're uh, out of there now. So if it's, uh, the the creepy people come, they, they'll find someone else. Exactly. They're going to find. Nice. <laughs> that's right. That's right. That's right. But uh. honestly, the working overnight is super elite. Um, oftentimes I'd be out at a station in the middle of nowhere with a really low chance of getting called out. And so I got a lot of good nights of sleep. At a fire station. That's, That's cool. cool. I feel like I wouldn't be able to sleep that well. You might get called. I wouldn't be able to sleep. But you might be a better than I am. I generally don't sleep like perfectly now. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> because it's like, I'm always thinking like, am I going to miss a call? Is there going to be like some alarm system I'm not familiar with that tells me when to get up and go? Uh, the one I was like trained in and got used to was like a massive bell on the ceiling. That was like over a hundred decibels and like (laughs) (laughs) it was like when uh someone called 911 you definitely knew it uh some of the other stations have like a system of tones and different patterns of notes Mm -hmm. and that's how you know when to go and i wasn't always familiar with that so it plays like an f major scale and that's the alien invasion and then the c minor scale is a fire (laughs) and the d minor scale is like injury nearby man that's so so it just took some getting used to and getting comfortable at each place got it Got it. So you were a volunteer and now you're a volunteer slash part-time person. Exactly. Okay. It's been a very, very fun addition to what I do in life. Yeah. Yeah. That's really cool. Did you get trained in the building where there was like a, you know, you go in and they light every on fire and you have to find your way out of the maze and everything? Yes. Yes. And we did, we did do two or three of those in my training courses. Nice. Yeah. The first time, um, it like hit me all at once. I was about ready to go into the door of the training building, like holding a fire hose and getting ready to stick my air tank onto my mask. And I just sat there for a second, like this is legit. This is real. (laughs) This is, there's real fire in that building Uh, and we're going to go put it out. (laughs) Yeah. That's insane. And it was pretty wild, but just getting over that initial hump of, I don't know, fear or, insecurity i don't know sure. if that's the right word for it but yeah just getting over myself in that moment to to do what needs to be done yep developing that confidence yeah 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 what's the craziest call that you've been on family friendly stories for the win yeah <laughs> i have not really been to any like super heartwarming calls or like any of the like cool fires where like they save somebody's life at the last moment mm-hmm. like they did do one of those one night and i showed up like 20 minutes because i had to cross town like 20 minutes after everyone else had showed up Mm. and so they'd kind of already put the fire out and pulled somebody out of the burning building wow and sent them off to the hospital already and i was just kind of like oh well this seemed like a pretty good time i guess i'll help clean up yeah (laughs) there you go oh man yeah so 
Yeah, no, I know. So like my, you may know this, my, my grandpa uh, is, or he was a, a firefighter. He retired a long time ago, but he was on um, at the station, one of the stations in downtown. And I mean, when I've talked to him about it, he's kind of said very similar things of like, you just kind of have to do what needs to get done and mm-hmm. leave yourself behind, you know? And right. Yeah. Being able to do the job is, 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 is important and just mm-hmm. kind of doing it, you know? Right. There's a humility that you pick up, um, that you're not always going to be the person that gets to do the exciting job. Uh, you're not going to always be the person that gets to do the fun job. You're not always going to be the person that gets to do the super gruesome job. You just have to do the job that's assigned to you. How many people are at the quiet stations when you go to the far away ones that don't get called? At this point, we've got two personnel at the stations that are out kind of in the middle of nowhere. And then the stations that are closer to big neighborhoods or closer to the center of the county are are staffed with three or four. Most of the time there's four. Mm -hmm. And then we've got a couple of uh, chiefs that help run the department for the day make operational decisions and then take lead whenever there's a fire. Are you allowed to drive the fire truck? I am working on um, getting certified to do that. Yes. Wow. Oh Heck yeah. Yes. Watch out everybody. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I do drive our medical trucks, which is super fun. That's cool. Yeah. Get to break all the laws. Go through the it red is nerve wracking and exhilarating, but it's also like, we're going fast because we have a reason to be going fast. Like we're trying to get somewhere. So sometimes it's frustrating if people aren't getting out of our way because we are trying to get somewhere. I was driving once and we were trying to get to a person that was reportedly unconscious and not breathing without a pulse. And it was like five o'clock rush hour. And I was like, oh, get out of our way. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I don't know if I can handle that. <laughs> yeah. So that's like those those situations are stressful. Fortunately, in that instance, that person, um, what we were told wasn't actually happening um, in the positive direction. Cool. So we arrived to find a situation that wasn't as bad as as what we were expecting. Gotcha. But still, it's our job to get there safely and quickly so that we can provide the help that needs to be provided it's a weird balance yeah for sure i just want to be allowed to go down the pole one time i don't want to be a volunteer firefighter i just want to do that part do you have a pole none of our fire stations have a fire pole. oh come on yeah it's so sad <laughs> i thought the one kind of close to campus did maybe i'm imagining that the the ones in the city of bloomington do oh yeah. they do mm-hmm. oh. at least one or two of them do yeah but the ones you work in don't right yeah, technically, those are different organizations where I work in the city of Bloomington. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So wait, are you so you were like a county mm-hmm. and their city? Mm-hmm. Got it. It's not something most people ever look up. I think we went on like a homeschool tour of one of the stations one time and it did have a poll, but it was the one mm-hmm. close to campus. Yeah, that would make sense. Wait, the one. It was the one close to the library. Close to the library. The one downtown. The headquarters one downtown. Oh, yep. that yeah, yeah, yeah. one. Yeah. Okay. Never on 4th Street. Yes, there it is. <laughs> got it, got it, got it. Yeah, I'm so bad at street names, but I'm just like, yeah, the one over by the thing. 4th Street tells me everything I need to know. <laughs> Great. Yep, got it. Totally got it, totally got it, totally got it. So what do you do when you're not being a volunteer firefighter and saving lives and taking naps? Then I am probably hanging out these days with my fiance. Woo! Her name is Hope. You did it. She's pretty cool. <laughs> 
Let's get her on the show. <laughs> <laughs> Should have brought her with me. Uh, honestly, a couple's episode. But yeah, we haven't done that one before. I, we, we would just be the third and fourth wheel. It'd be too awkward to handle. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. There is a possibility. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, but besides, besides that, I also volunteer at church with our youth group, uh, the Six Catalyst. Heck yeah. Which me and Zachary both... You know, came up through when we were young, spry students. As did I. As did you. Years before that. Yeah, 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 yeah. You did it like a million, million years ago. It was a long time ago. (laughs) You graduated high school 2014? 2014. Wow. Crazy. And and I got to high school, because I'm a gray older than you, Zachary, but we're the same age. So I got to high school fall of 15. And you got to high school fall of 16. Yes. So we didn't overlap. No, all. we didn't overlap. We didn't overlap. You and my older brother, Jack. Yes. Were great friends. Yes. So I remember playing Call in, of Duty in our basement with you. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Dude, so good. Absolutely. Oh, what a time. And your brother, Sam, was a freshman when I was a graduated senior for that brief summer. Oh, really? Yeah. Huh. I guess, yeah, that would make sense because he's. Whoa. Yeah. Sam. Also, yeah. hi, Jack. <laughs> I'll tell him to listen to this just for that. Yeah. Ugh, what a time. Well, so between the various disciplines of firefighting, being a scientist with classified things, and then also getting ready to be married and then volunteering at church, that is pretty much your life in a nutshell. I'd say so. I have a family in there somewhere. <laughs> They're in there. <laughs> yeah. They're around. There's a lot of us. Me and Joe have a theory that you can only... Oh, I don't know. Let's adapt this theory. Basically, imagine the disciplines of your job, your friends, and your family. Now pick two that you'd like to do well and one to drop on the ground. That's what we talked about last episode. Yeah. Yes. What do, you, do you think that that's real? I, I do. Um, there was a very real conversation I had with my fiance when we first started talking because I was actually in a college class for my EMT certification. I was working full-time with my, with my full-time job and filling in a bunch of shifts with the fire department at the time. And so every time she was talking to me, I was like, hey, I'm in class. I'll you know, talk to you later. Or, hey, I'm at work. Or, hey, I'm also at work uh, for like two <laughs> weeks straight. And she was like, are you actually free enough to be in a relationship? And I was like, not right now. Oh, <laughs> oh man. <laughs> So there was definitely some balance there where I slowed down, picking up the extra shifts, graduated the class and the program, got out of school. After that, I was ready to like, all right, now I have enough time to focus on building a relationship. And that's a continuing thing going into the future. You know, I have to balance. You know, I can't just go from one job to pick up a shift at the other to then go back to the one job and do that two days in a row like I used to used to do as a single man hmm. <laughs> <laughs> the joys of being single there has to be time to to hang out with people in, mm. in between totally totally in particular my fiance that that's important right. that's important yeah and we were just talking about because i think Zachary, was it a conversation that you and i had just on our own yep you said that to me you said you have to I don't remember if one of us was talking about being busy or something but you said you had you have to think about friends family school and then pick two and then I said, oh, man, you're right. Yeah, mm-hmm. to be, like, good at. Yes. I was going crazy at that point, and I realized that I'm always going to fall short. Well, I'm always going to fall short in all areas, but mm-hmm. 
in one of those areas specifically. Like I right. just have to pick two that I want to do well. Yeah. Or try to do well. It's a tough time making I mean, but that really that just comes back to priorities, you know, is is what do you what are you putting first? Right. Exactly. And that's on you, you know, which is really hard sometimes. Mm-hmm. But yeah, anyway. Yeah. The way it shook out for me as a college student was I was putting my education first. Whoever happened to be around took that second place. So on mm-hmm. the weekends, if it was my family, then my family got me for the weekend. Or if it was my friends at CSF or other places in college, mm-hmm. it was them. Yeah, because you were you're you you were crazy busy in no, I was college. Very crazy busy in college. Ugh. I I worked in an undergrad research lab um, my whole time, almost my whole time at IU. So I was doing that a number of hours a week, uh, getting credit, either college credit or working um, hourly for that. Ultimately gearing toward a senior thesis. And on top of that, the whole chemistry program, which is one of the more rigorous degree programs you can do. Oh, yeah. It is like the most rigorous. Don't let Jacob be Moss. I think it might be the hardest program that I can think of at least. On graduation day, somebody in my class, in, in my graduating class, was had calculated up like the number of required credit hours mm-hmm. versus like for that degree specifically versus like the number you need just, just to graduate. And it was like either the, the highest or the second highest out of any of the majors <laughs> of, of like straight up required wow. required science hours. Did the program weed out a lot of people? It is <laughs> Honestly, it's hard to say in the sciences uh, because so many people are getting a science degree to go to medical school. Many of those people took the basic classes that are required for pre-med, which is like mostly freshman and sophomore classes. And then it wasn't until junior year that I was actually in focused classes that were, hey, this is a class for chemistry majors, or this is a class for physical science majors. And we kind of got past all the people that were studying, maybe not necessarily a chemistry degree to go to med school, but they were just going to get a science degree to go to med school, one of the other sciences. So later on in my college career, classes dropped from like a 400 person lecture to a 30 person lecture. And I looked around and I was like, ah, my fellow chemistry majors. Yeah. These are the people I need to be studying with. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Are there different types of chemistry degrees or is there just one? Uh, there were different types. There was a biochemistry degree and a chemistry degree. And both of those had Bachelor of Arts and Bachelor of Science varieties. I did a Bachelor of Science in chemistry. Effectively, all that means is I took a couple more laboratory classes and didn't have to take as many arts and humanities classes. Which I would do it the exact reverse way, but... <laughs> yeah, it was more specialized in chemistry because I knew that's what I wanted to do, but it really prepared me for jobs in chemistry. Whereas somebody who got maybe a BA in chemistry would be more prepared for jobs that are related to chemistry, but not actually doing chemistry. That makes a lot of sense. I'm not a career counselor. Please don't take my advice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I consult your professional career counselor, not us. We don't know anything. Exactly. No. We're just we're just shooting the shooting the breeze. I as did. They say. I did what worked for me. There you go. <laughs> and that worked really well. There you go. There you go. Yeah. If you're Jacob Houston, use his plan. If you're anyone else. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. All right. Uh, homeschooling. Yeah, speaking of school, <laughs> that's pretty cool. Yeah. Right? Well, how about how about homeschooling, guys? I mean, we've avoided this topic for such a long time, but 
it's come up in the show before. Me and Joe both, we are homeschooled, have been homeschooled. There's no such thing as homeschooled college, so we have gone out into the wider world to go to college at this point. Indeed. <laughs> I'm still waiting for Houston High to get accredited as college. <laughs> uh, oh, Houston High, we called ours the Todd Christian Academy. Oh, sorry. I graduated from the Houston Academy of Excellence. Oh, wow. My brother went to Houston High. Oh, even better. Joe, what's yours called? Uh, we, we were... Uh school it's a street name dang it i don't want to say that uh where's our street name but can you cut can you bleep that yeah i'll bleep it okay great. I, I'm, joe you're making so much work for me i'm gonna have to bleep out where the fire station is i'm so what sorry the name of the street is <laughs> oh, my God. oh man I, there's gonna be like 700 bleeps in this episode uh-huh so ours was called the todd christian academy and then our mascot was the todd christian academy golden doodle because we had a beautiful golden doodle around that time and still do. Oh, that's actually, yeah, that's clever. I, we never thought to create a mascot. Me. Yeah, we didn't either. Sorry to disappoint you. I mean, our sports program was, shall we say, not there. (laughs) So I don't know why we needed a mascot other than it was just for fun. We did have enough for a starting line of basketball. I guess you do too, Joe. Yeah. Yeah. You, you You have more than that. Yeah. You, you have a deep bench, but yeah, you could totally yeah. do that. Yeah. For me personally, I enjoyed homeschooling. I mean, I don't know what, what did you guys, I mean, I don't know. What did you guys think? What did you, what was your experience like? I feel like the most efficient way to do it is to have us all explain our own unique situations. Mm. Uh, yeah. Jacob, what was your own unique situation? My entire life from like second grade forward, I was involved in one way or another in what can only be called community schooling doing, uh, homeschool together with other families in some kind of cooperative experience. Uh, did that many different ways throughout my whole career in elementary and high school. I don't know. I enjoyed the various different types. Uh, there was a couple of years where school was one or two classes with other people. There were a couple of years where school was all of my classes with other people. Generally, I really liked the freedom that homeschool gave me to orchestrate my day the way that worked. Uh, the way that I wanted to. That was amazing. Uh, in the later years when I started getting involved with sports and a high school job and doing yard work for neighbors for pay, uh, all of that was available to me because I could do my work in the morning or in the afternoon or switch it around and do whatever most days of the week. Yeah. Which I think when we talked about this early in the podcast, we, I mean, I think I remember saying something along the lines of it was a lot like colleges, mm-hmm. you know, you just kind of have your class, do the work, and then you can do what you want. Right. Honestly, the biggest shock for me going to college was being in class more than yep. I was used to. Yeah. A lot more than I was used to. Yes, exactly the same for me. It's like a full-time job going to class as opposed to, you know, reading the book as fast as you can then doing the work as fast as you can then doing something fun with your life. Exactly. Exactly. Uh-huh. <laughs> Ultimately, I had to figure out the balance between the learning style I was used to of gathering information mostly on my own and then doing the homework Mm. to learning how to learn from somebody else in the moment. Yeah. Or read beforehand, then confirm that knowledge, learn it a different way, hear it a different way, Mm -hmm. and then do the homework. Yeah, I think I get that. And I think, well, one thing that was big for me was just like the difference between writing a high school paper and just like retelling the story in your own words and maybe pointing out like a theme, (laughs) but like in, in college, it's like, I feel like you, you have to, you have to, 
be able to, you know, both synthesize a story for what's most relevant, but also you got to come up with your own stuff, you know, Mm -hmm. like it's, and, and the teacher has more time to devote to each, you know, thing that you do now in homeschool, I guess, you know, the teacher is pretty focused. That, yeah, that ratio goes backwards in the homeschool. Yeah, it does. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it's it's. I don't know. I just I feel like the the quality of work required increased a lot. I guess mm-hmm. I, I would say for me that that was the biggest shock for me. I guess it's funny you say that, Joe, because I realized the exact same thing. So in my first, or actually it was my first year in my second semester, I took English Introduction to Fiction, English L two hundred four. I'm in that right now. Nice, nice. We were assigned a short paper at the beginning, which was like, oh, you know, basically analyze the short story or, you know, pick from a couple and analyze it. And I was like, OK, cool. And then I was like doing my bad high school habits of writing, you know, like kind of resummarizing it, but not really analyzing mm-hmm. it per se. And then at the end, we had an assignment, which is like, OK, now that you know everything, you know, go back and do that first short paper one, but like do it differently. Looking back on that. It looked like a different person had written it because I learned so much about how to analyze short stories and how to look more deeply into the meaning and everything. So I said, oh, yeah, this is kind of more surface level. So I rewrote it to be more deep level. But you're right. The the high school habits of organization were great. And then you just kind of had to get used to the way that the teachers and professors wanted you to do things. Yep. But at least you had the organizational skills so you could mostly Mm -hmm. do it. Quick question. Who do you have for or who did you have for intro to fiction? Andrea Whitaker. And uh, yeah, they moved away, unfortunately. I'm just curious because I I'm literally in it right now with a guy named Ben Story and I'm I'm reading a book for it. Ben Story. <laughs> yeah, honestly, isn't that a perfect name? <laughs> My economics teacher is Professor Graf. I wish I was kidding. Oh, that's so cool. It's starting to be like I live in a sitcom now. Yeah, you do. <laughs> We've yeah. got Ben Story in the literature department, Professor Graf, Professor Numbers in the mathematics. <laughs> stuff. I don't even know. Oh, man. Anyway. Um. I really missed out on my IU experience. Yeah, you really did. <laughs> oh, and we realized too, I was talking to Jacob outside of, well, I mean, just at church, I think, right? Mm-hmm. And we realized the professor that I took weather, my weather class yes. with was like, a, I mean, a close person took, to you. I took three of his courses, Dr. Kirkpatrick. Kirkpatrick. Yeah, so good. Excellent courses in atmospheric science and weather. Mm. I just took weather and you, I think mm-hmm. is what it was called. So it's very basic, but it was really cool. And I still like, like, I think about that stuff. Anyway, yeah. specifics aside, it definitely was a shock to come to college, but not in the way that I expected, you know, because like, right. like I said, workload, not too, you know, I mean, there was more for sure, but mm-hmm. like I could do it just because the schedule, I got to make my own schedule after class, you know, and do what I wanted. But I mean, with like, just being on your own, you know, there's just something about that that is so different than yeah. high school. Yeah. My experience was there was a lot more homework, a lot more things to do. Uh, the unfortunate reality of a laboratory based major is that the credit hours you get do not equal the credit hours you're in class. So to, to be even a full time student, I would be taking six or seven classes each semester. Whoa. We would have two lectures a week and a four hour lab for a two credit hour class. Are you serious? Yes. That you needed to graduate, obviously. So we would be in class for eight hours that, and it's required to graduate. So we'd be in class for eight hours a week on top of having then a lab report to write and material to study for. 
that may or may not be related. In addition to all to that exact stuff. lab. In addition to the other 14 credit hours. Why do you do this to yourself? The media school is way better. <laughs> it, uh, it's so cool. I questioned that many times throughout my college career. Oh. Yeah. But you did it. I did. I did do it. Well, okay. Here's something interesting. So every now and then someone will say something to me that I write in my document of wisdom. Mm. And so one time, Jacob, your mom told me something. This is not a your mom joke, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> when I tell my homeschool story, I'll explain it. But your mom one time was my tutor. I think it was for seventh grade. Or maybe it was eighth grade. Who could say? That checks out. She said, my son, Jacob, he is a true student, essentially she was defining a true student as someone who loves to learn. Mm -hmm. So I always have seen you as someone who loves to learn. So I'm sure like, yes, it was work, but you could power through because at least it was a topic you're interested in. Yes. Yeah. That's 100% true. Yeah. I, I did enjoy it. I still enjoy chemistry. Uh, and I would say for everything I've done after college, there was a lot of learning to all of that. And I enjoyed very much most of that. Yeah, pretty much the whole way through. Otherwise, it would have been torture for me. And that makes it worth it. Right. One of the stressful things I had in college was every time a semester would start from the first class I attended until the final uh, final exam of the semester, I would always have something else to do in the future. There was never a moment where I was fully caught up on the work oh. that had been assigned. Uh, for eight straight semesters that's so bad <laughs> no it's so yeah. bad well like not even I, I assume the summer or did you take stuff in the summer too so you weren't caught up then well the summer yes so but in each semester self-contained you know there was never a point on any given weekend that i didn't have homework outstanding why <laughs> that's so crazy yeah. and it wasn't because i was like procrastinating it was just there was that much wow <laughs> Oh man, it's wild. That is crazy. Media school is so cool, man. It's awesome. Sponsored by the media school. It's great. That's you can right. get your work done in a couple hours and then go frolic in the sunshine or the rain if it's this week. That's right. I better tell my homeschooling story here. So I'll make it somewhat brief. I've been homeschooled all my life except for college, of course. But it's interesting because I think a lot of people do drop out of homeschool when it comes to high school. Mm -hmm. They want to go and play sports or want to quote unquote be more social unquote which may or may not work the way they think it does. But regardless, a lot of people drop off in high school, so I made it all the way through. <laughs> so I started with just like my mom was in charge of everything, which is like the classic way that the homeschoolers do it. And it's like, oh, you know, you, maybe you can ask your dad questions here or there, and that's all good. But because my dad did, uh, I believe, major in science, and so he could definitely answer some questions. But for the most part, my mom did everything. And she was like, always wrote me a list. It's like, okay, here's where you're going to go. You're going to go this page in the book and do that and do that and you're done. So I learned how to do lists from a very young age, which was definitely helpful, especially for college. I love that. I love that you bring up your, your dad. If I can butt in here, honestly, because like my dad would jump in and normally about the time in high school that I would be doing math, he would be leaving to go to work. And so he'd always just pop into my room and say, oh, what are you working on? Math. And then he'd be like, two plus two is four. You remember that now. <laughs> and then he'd go off to work and and then I'd shot off in the distance. No, it's, this is calculus or this is algebra. That's, <laughs> we're past that. <laughs> Wait, so how old were you? Uh, I was I was picturing you like three-year-old Jacob, two plus two equals four. Okay, thanks, dad. You're the best. No, the, I was like 16 years old in algebra and, and my dad's oh, saying two plus two no. is four. That's my help for math. 
Thanks, Dad. Love you. Both parents can like definitely help, but it was my mom because you guess what? Her her role it was taking care of us, and my dad's role was working at another job. So it's like he helped where he could, but also not a ton. When I got to fifth grade, I joined a co-op here in town that I think is still running, but honestly, I haven't been keeping up with it called Classical Conversations. It is of the classical learning style. It was the first co-op I'd been in, but the classical education model is like fairly tough in my opinion. And I'm not, I think it's like there's, it's the pillars are math, grammar, and rhetoric, if I'm remembering that correctly. That sounds right. But essentially it's like a lot of wrestling with the material and being confused. <laughs> and like, I'm sure that's not the actual model. If I looked at the actual model online, there's actually things that create a classical education versus a non-classical education. But I think it was a lot of just like rote memorization and memorizing things and kind of struggling through a little bit from my perspective. Right. How the program worked was that they had foundations for first, second, third, fourth, and fifth grade. So I came in as a fifth grader and then was in class five, obviously, because I was in fifth grade. So did that. And then I did the, you know, the writing program in addition that they had there. Yeah, that obviously was pretty, I think, stressful for my fifth grade self because it was increasing my work yes. by a lot. Because, <laughs> you know, first, second, third, fourth grade, it's whatever. You can get you can get it done by afternoon and stuff. But here it was, you were getting handed all this different reading and writing, and it was just not good. <laughs> and very heavy on the memorization at that level. Very heavy on the memorization. Yeah, they, there was a challenge where if you could memorize everything, you'd be awarded the title of Memory Master. Yes. Or you could just memorize everything from one subject and you would... Did you ever do Memory Master, Jacob? I feel like you did. I did not. I was involved in the same co-op, but at the high school level for two years. Oh, okay. I gotcha. Yes. They do not have Memory Master there. That's true. No. And then I went to the high school... Wait, you did four years of challenge? I was not the full high school experience. I was a sophomore and a junior when I did it, but I don't remember what levels in the program it was. Sorry. And I was on my own pace for math for those two years as well. Yeah, you were fly you were in a race car flying ahead with the calculus. Things. Yeah, and, and part of that was I was a year ahead of all the other kids and like all the other kids were freshmen and I was a sophomore. That was just the way that the class was offered and how I participated in it. Yeah, on any given years, you're right, there might not have been enough freshmen, so they all have to get combined to the sophomore class or something like that. Or maybe the reverse. I believe we were the inaugural high school class for the one in here in Bloomington. That was a long time ago. Yeah. Then I went into the high school program, which, as we said, is called Challenge. And I did Challenge A and Challenge B, which correspond to, I believe, 7th and 8th grade. And then had I gone on to 9th, 10th, 11th, and 12th grade in high school, that would have been Challenge 1, Challenge 2, Challenge 3, Challenge 4. Okay. I'm sure people have gone all the way through. It was definitely a challenge. It does not. They, it's like, what do you want to name our program? Let's name our program Challenge. No, it certainly was. I think the, my main good memory from Challenge B is like there was we did some stuff with debate, which mm -hmm. was pretty fun for me, at least. You know, I like to talk, shocker. <laughs> and then we've got challenge A, which had more like, I remember it being more, more not simple subjects exactly, but more just foundational stuff like science and, and rhetoric and various logical things. Right. Challenge B also had mock trial, which was kind of a, a fun way to, to end it up. And we had some other kids join us and kind of, you know, we pretended to be liars. And some of the older kids from like challenge one and two came to watch our mock trial. And one of them, she told me, oh yeah, defense always wins. <laughs> and it's like, okay, that's interesting. Oh, I forgot to say the last part of my homeschool journey, which was doing uh, Sherwood Oaks Cop and with Joe. By the way, Joe was in one of the challenge years with me. Yes. Uh, he only did one subject. It was kind of sad. <laughs> it do be like that sometimes. And then he did a couple of the subjects with me in the Sherwood Oaks Cop as well, if I'm remembering correctly. Yep. Interestingly, when I went to ninth grade and 10th grade, I did the Sherwood Oaks Cop. That was actually a lot easier <laughs> than challenge. Yep. So much easier. It was like a breath of fresh air. And it was more people that I like had known for a long time anyway. So it was nice to be there. Mm. 
I got to ninth grade expecting it to be really hard, and it was actually the way I took it. I just had done so much in eighth grade that it was slightly easier. It was like a, a breath mm-hmm. of fresh air. And then I ended up being pretty ahead by 11th and 12th grade, so I just took class at Ivy Tech and kind of slowed things down a bit. That's a good way to do it. So, yeah, I guess my like homeschooling experience as a whole, yeah, I mean, like both of you, I homeschooled all the way through everything. Uh, graduated with like 20 people. That was fun, you know? Good group. Your class was so big. My class was tiny. I know. No one had children in my year, so uh, <laughs> four people. This is nice. Yeah, I know. Which really, well, and especially because you you graduated during COVID, right? Uh, we yes, we graduated in mid twenty twenty, which was quite an interesting thing. That that would have sucked, but I mean, I'm I'm glad that I don't know. I because so I've, we've said this before, but we were we were the same age, but. I skipped a grade. I skipped uh, eighth grade, I think, and just went straight to freshman year. All of these people that I knew that I, you know, wanted to spend more time with were a year ahead. <laughs> and I, and it's it sucks because, like, I should have been, you know what I mean? Like, I should be a sophomore in college right now, but I'm not. I'm a junior, which is weird. You could have procrastinated working for one more year. No, you had to skip a grade. Honestly, Yeah. But I mean, it is what it is. And I think God's worked a lot through it. And I agree. Yeah. I feel like it's, it's been for the better, even though, I mean, I'm looking at it now and I'm thinking, man, I'd love one more year in college, honestly. <laughs> um, but Vic- I mean, victory lap. Yeah. Honestly, a fifth year. <laughs> no, I don't have the money for that. <laughs> um, something that I think a lot about with homeschooling is just like, like how it all depends on how the kid takes it. You know what I mean? Because there are public schoolers who get along with their parents and love their siblings and like spend a ton of time at home. And there are homeschoolers who are the exact opposite, you know? And so I can't sit here and go, well, I used to do that. I used to say, oh, well, homeschooling, I mean, I like it because it like, you know, you have to be close with your family, but there are outliers. And I think that it's not just like a cookie cutter. If you're homeschooled, you're going to be like, you enjoy your family, you enjoy your siblings. Like that's not always the case. I mean, for me personally on that spectrum, I definitely fell more on the, I enjoy my family, you know, my siblings are like built in friends, you know, like, um, it was a good time and, and I obviously not perfect. Um, but you know, I, I love my family and I think that they gave me, especially being the third, I've talked about this a ton on the podcast, I feel like too, just being able to watch my older siblings do their thing and then have then have that in my mind when I'm when I come into high school um really set me up I think for a lot of success with just like launching into you know where I'm at now and even you know four years ago junior senior year of high school just like being a well-rounded person obviously I was still an idiot you know as any high schooler is (laughs) but I mean I feel like the experiences I got to watch them have my older brothers anyway, um, and the closeness that I felt with them helped me to be more well-rounded off the bat, which is good. Yeah, I mean, so yeah, I enjoyed homeschooling. Like I said, school-wise, it wasn't a crazy jump from that to college. It's interesting you say that. I mean, it's certainly not a guarantee that, you know, we've got the public schoolers that are close to their family and try hard at school. We've got all combinations. We've got public schoolers that try hard at school but don't love their family. We've got homeschoolers and so on. But I think homeschooling can be interesting. I mean, it sort of self-selects for people that are 
more close as a family because the parents, if they have a more close dynamic with their kids and so on, are likely not going to be like, hey, let's try homeschooling. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know you haven't, like, we haven't been talking that much for the past year or whatever, but let's try it. I don't think that happens that often, so I'm guessing it sort of automatically self-selects for the people that are paying more attention to the kids, generally speaking. Not that, like, oh, you're this evil parent that doesn't pay attention to your kids, but if you're really active in your career, you've got, you know, stuff going on, you might not pay as much attention to your kids. And hence, hence you don't end up homeschooling. Yep. And it's interesting because people often talk about, oh, homeschoolers, they're antisocial. They're on a on a goat farm there. <laughs> you know, it's weird. And it's like, it's true. There are some weird ones out there. It's like, I've met them. It's true. Some are weird. Some are, I hesitate to say normal, but they are, it, it would be hard to know that they had been to homeschool and not public school because they seem very similar to public schoolers. But interestingly enough, many of them I met are way more social than their public schooled counterparts. And I feel like they're this is might be a generalization. And I'm like looking for evidence that supports my view and throwing away the contrary evidence. Hey, confirmation bias. Mm. But I feel like many homeschoolers are way more likely to talk and think deeply about stuff in general. Homeschooling teaches you to get out there and learn stuff and sort of be an active participant. And public school is like, you know, keep your head down and listen and do what you're told and so forth. And it feels like that sort of beats a lot of creativity out of kids and it's sad to see because it's like education is so hard to do in a mass way mm-hmm. it's like we can't give everyone a ton of individual attention because there are hundreds of people mm-hmm. so it has to be like one teacher for a bunch of people and that one teacher there's not enough hours in the day to give like tons of individual attention and help you're teaching to the middle of the class you're not like make if it's one person in the entire class then you're like oh we're okay we'll go super fast for the stuff that's easy and super slow for the stuff and it like it evens out as opposed to oh, there's one subject that goes way too fast and I have no clue what's going on and there's one subject that's too slow so I'm falling asleep. And so you can just, you really customize it. It's like, I don't know if this is what it's called or not, but you know, it's like the Aristotle method of learning where you've got a private tutor and the private tutor makes it so that you can go at exactly the speed you need to go Mm, and finish on time. It's definitely, I think, a privilege to have been able to do it. Shout out to all of our parents for dealing with us, I guess. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, you know, shout outs to Jacob's mom for being one of the tutors at Classical Conversations for a while, which was it was great to have her there as well. Mm. Yeah. So now, you know, everything I think you want to know about homeschooling. Enjoy. It's funny you bring up stereotypes because I it is an active goal of mine to have people be surprised when I tell them that I was homeschooled. That's yes, that's the goal. You know, that was fun in college. I think people usually are surprised when I tell them. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I've it's it's fun to see how they react and then like the questions that they'll ask you know right um but yeah i mean yeah homeschooling is cool yeah i get a lot of in in my case i get a lot of um oh that's surprising but that makes sense (laughs) you know after they've known me for a few months they're like i definitely see that now but yep wouldn't have necessarily sure said that from the get-go yeah i mean people usually will ask like you know if it's somebody that i'm closer with they'll be like oh did you have any friends uh, you know that sort of thing or <laughs> no zero friends you know did you take your sister to prom like that sort of thing uh so i mean questions like that it's it but it's i think it's all in good fun so it, it's all right but yeah there you go homeschooling is cool can't spell homeschool without cool speaking of learning things i've recently been reading a lot of books and one i read shout out to alan one of our pastors at church in one of his sermons, he mentioned Live No Lies by John Mark Comer, which is was an intriguing title, Live No Lies. Hmm, I wonder what that's about. Uh, that seems like a good way to live. You don't have any lies in your life. Let me check this book out. And I would now like to review it for you. And that means the College Try listeners, you won't have to read it. Yay, including me. Because <laughs> I'm going to tell you everything that happens in it. Well, not everything that happens in it. Yeah, so that's like 
I should charge for this, but like I'm literally going to tell you almost everything that the book talks about. This is the best way to read books. Honestly. <laughs> the main idea that holds up the book is that we've got a lot of deceptive ideas in our culture that the devil places there. By the way, this is going to get very spiritual, people. So uh, either skip the chapter or get ready to dive right into the spiritual. <laughs> uh, but basically, the devil puts in our, these deceptive ideas to our culture that play to our disordered desires, which come from the flesh, our sinful flesh, and then all that stuff instead of getting stamped out, is normalized in a sinful society, which we see as the world. So it, it's, we're worrying about the devil playing to the flesh, and all that's getting normalized in the world. The devil, the flesh, the world. And then, oh, look, you've got your outline of the book as he lays out in the introduction, and then you can, you know, he has a section for each of those from there. Now, basically, here's the, the idea. We are more free to do almost whatever we want in today's day and age than we've ever been. We have tons of social freedom. We live in a society that says, do what you want. And, you know, the heart wants, wants what it wants. Go after your goals, all this stuff. And I think it's good to do that. But we have to be careful because we have a lot of ability in our society to do what we want and not have people judge us for it. And if they do judge us for doing things, we can just, you know, make fun of them for not being progressive or whatever. But if we, if we really think about it, we have all this freedom, but it's not making us happier. If you look around in the world, life is more chaotic now than it's ever been. And happiness levels, when you ask people and survey people, are going down. They've not been going up since like 1960 or something. Mm. People want to think back to the 50s and 60s. Oh, everyone was so happy. It was so great. And happiness levels were off the charts. They've been certainly falling and mental health and depression and so forth are not going in a good direction either. So the thing is like sinfully, we want to be the ones in charge and we want to be able to decide how everything goes. But when we decide to do what we want to do, life falls apart, hence the sin. And that's why we need we need God to help us. So basically, he says we there are kind of two types of freedoms in life. We have the freedom to pick what we want to do, and that's the type of freedom our culture likes to talk about. I it should be free to do whatever I want. But God gives us a different type of freedom. God gives us the freedom to not pick the things of the world. We are free to not engage in activities in the world that are considered a sin, and as a result, our life will probably go better as a result. And as we say no to temptations like sin, we slowly become more like Christ, and eventually, by dying, we are made more like him in heaven. In fact, exactly like him. So that is basically the idea of the book. It's kind of pointing out that the things in our society that have gone wrong are wrong because of sin. And sort of like once you know that, you sort of start to see it everywhere. It's like, yeah, the, the world is, is in, a, I think, a more sinful place than it's really ever been. It's kind of our job to say no and fight against it as best we can. And every time we do, it's like we're training ourselves to be more like Jesus. Mm -hmm. so that's the whole book. Wow, I don't have to read it now. Now, what you maybe should read is his second book. Uh, and he actually wrote it before, but I'm reading it in the second order. He wrote another book called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. This one is really good as well, though I'm not done just yet, so I can't really give a full summary. I can only tell you a couple things I learned from it. It's basically a Christian version of all the books about like uh, phones are ruining the world and everything that I often read about how, like, you know, we need to be more cautious when it comes to digital technology. There's a bunch of books, uh, Deep Work by Cal Newport, Essentialism by Greg McEwen, Stolen Focus. I'll put a ton of books that I've talked about before in the show notes, but basically books that talk about being more minimal with your digital devices and making your life more simple by not listening to podcasts and being addicted to your phone all, t all the time. Basically, I love these books, and so does the author, Mark Comer. But the thing is, this is like a secular view of how we should treat technology and how we should live our lives. And if you look at it, followers of Jesus have been saying all of this stuff for millennia. It's like, yeah, get out. Jesus went out in nature. He didn't talk to people. He enjoyed solitude and prayer and meditation and so forth. So this whole like narrative that we've sometimes talked about on the show of being more free to let go of technology and live your life 
is something that, yes, is in line with the Sabbath. And so the secular authors are like, yeah, they're getting at something good, but there's a more spiritual reason to like practice the Sabbath, which he calls us to, the author calls us to more seriously practice the Sabbath because many people don't really rest. They just go as hard as they can all seven days. And so the most convicting point, I'll leave you with this, the most convicting point for me, uh, quote, we sit around sucked into our phones or TV or to-do lists, oblivious to the God who is around us, with us, in us, even more desirous than we are for relationship, end quote. So basically we say we don't feel God's presence, yet we're, we're running on all cylinders all seven days. So yeah, you don't have to read either of those books now. I was going to say, have you read either of those two? I have not, no. Okay, because I've heard about Ruthless Elimination of Hurry since like freshman year, and I've wanted to read it. I just never... I never bought it, and as we know, with habits to ha- to do the thing, you have to actually have it in front of you. That helps. It is a discipline to not, you know, scroll. It's a discipline not to run to your phone. It's a mm-hmm. discipline not to listen to music, you know, and and to spend that time focusing on on who God is and talking to Him, and you know, it's a discipline, and so that means it's not easy. and And I've always been kind of bad at it. I feel like we're all kind of bad at it. Um, but I need to read that book. I've, 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 I honestly have wanted to for a very long time. Get it from the library. What are you reading these days, Jacob and or Joe or listening to or putting in your mind? You go. <laughs> uh, not much, honestly. Um, I, I listen to podcasts on the way to and from work and listen to music at work slash when I'm doing housework. And that's about it. I'm mm. not. I'm not a good reader. Come on, you science boy. (laughs) He's so busy doing science, he doesn't have any time to read. I I have to read a number of like scientific documents at work. And that kind of takes the reading out of it for me. Got it. Got it. That makes sense. That makes sense. Um, I haven't tried the audiobook format yet outside of outside of work. Honestly, you could do like on the way to work podcast on the way back audiobook right mm. you could yeah if you do the math you could read like so many books a year if you did that that's, that's true. true read in, in air quotes my brother does that so it's not like i've not known about it <laughs> i just i haven't just i haven't done, I haven't it. done it. <laughs> that, okay i get it i get it i think that reading like really drives the point home for me more than audiobooks because reading you can't really you can't zone out of reading not really but audiobook oh that's what's that out the window that's that's interesting oh and you just missed a mm-hmm. bunch of stuff have to mm. go back and, you know, take your eyes off the road and it's not good. So audiobooks are less impactful for me than reading. Reading is like, yeah, I'm, I'm seeing it. This is really getting hammered in. And audiobook is and it's just using a different part of my brain. So it's not bad, but I get, I don't know, 40 percent out as, a, as opposed to getting 90 percent out. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. I, I need to try audiobooks. I'm, right now I'm reading um, a book called Harlem Shuffle Ooh. for intro to fiction, actually. Uh, by Colson Whitehead, the the guy he wrote um, the Underground Railroad. Uh, that's one of his. I think that's probably his most famous book. The Nickel Boys, I think, is also him. Honestly, phenomenal. I haven't finished it yet, um, but it is. I can't. I can, I won't speak on it fully. When I finish it, I'll give a full review. But it is just great, honestly. And I don't know if I would read it if I wasn't for class, <laughs> but like, you know, it's one of the, cause I'm not huge on like the historical fiction crime. Cause that's kind of the, the genre of it, which is really cool, but I don't know if I would read it if it wasn't for class, but needless to say, like once I'm, once I'm, 
I've got into it now. Like I'm excited to go read 30 pages of it tonight before class tomorrow, you know, but yeah, no, I'm trying to read that. I'm I'll be done with it probably in the next couple of weeks. And then have I, did I talk about the multiplication effect already? No, you've never talked about that. Tell us about that. Okay. Well, I haven't finished that one either, <laughs> um, but I'm working on it. <laughs> I've not finished this book, Joe, 2022. <laughs> I'm working on it. Um, uh, worship leader, Sherwood Oaks, uh, Quentin gave it to me. Um, he's a great dude. He gave them me that book and I, I really, really have enjoyed it so far. It's, I, I talked a while ago, I think about the innovation crisis, which is a book that I bought while I was in Georgia. Yeah. Um, it, it, it is very similar except, um, the multiplication effect is incredibly practical and the innovation crisis, I did not finish it because it's not practical. It's Aww. just, it's theoretical. It's like, oh yeah, the church is bad at that and gives you nothing, at least in the first couple of chapters to do about it. Maybe I should finish it. I don't know. But so far, the multiplication effect is quick. It's snappy. It's practical. And it's really good, you know, and it's, it just talks about, I mean, essentially like it looks new, but it's just discipleship. It's just clever discipleship and and it's all about making sure you know like he talks about these churches it's it's by mac lake and he's uh, i don't i've never heard of him before but he uh consults with churches and has for a long time and just about like you know if you have a youth ministry pastor who has like 40 different volunteers reporting to to him that's probably going to drain you pretty quickly oh yeah and not only that but it's also keeping leadership in one set of hands you know and so instead you could you could kind of find the top five right with the most leadership potential instill in them and invest in them and then they have to they get to do the same thing for leaders below them it's kind of like a pyramid scheme a little bit (laughs) (laughs) but it's cool and i think yeah just thinking about like leadership within ministry it's a really 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 great book um and honestly even leadership outside of ministry it's just great it just really is i i would totally recommend it if you're at all interested in leadership within ministry and obviously that that is more towards like pastors and leaders and people who get paid for it but even for me like worship leading at csf like it's it's a cool it's a good way to improve the team that i have so anywho um so yeah those are the two books that i'm reading i'm still trying to finish uh mother night which i also talked about a long time ago haven't finished that one yet either (laughs) uh but i will get back to you all with full reviews of these books when i finish them it'll be great (laughs) just trust me We have a very strange idea for a segment in which we rank the alarms on our phones. We decide which sounds are good, which sounds are bad, and which sounds are just okay. So let's do it. And by the way, this is the uh, Apple iOS sounds. If you are one of the Android people, you are sadly left out of this. (laughs) The worst sound, in my opinion, is signal because it is my alarm sound. Here's what signal sounds like. Mm, Classic. Yeah, I've woken up to it many times. It's not fun to hear the sound that you wake up to. Hearing it is like I've been dunked in cold water and it's just <laughs> not good. Like never set a good song as your alarm because it'll be ruined forever. You'll hear That's the true. song later yeah. and be listening to it and it's just, oh no, cold water. Because I had a song I liked, I think in middle school, that I used for my alarm. I cannot, if I hear it now, I will get shivers and shudders. Right. <laughs> yeah. I accidentally used one of the, when I was in high school, Oceans had a really 
good album that came out mm. and i used that as my alarm for mm. a couple years and now i can't it's sad oh man that sucks um yeah i'm just going through honestly i'm just going through mine like because okay i don't know how you guys do waking up but i have like <laughs> so many alarms i'm in shock looking at your phone right now no okay, joe legit, what are you doing here we go ready uh, now th- these early ones are from back when I worked at Crew Car Watch. I was gonna say there's no way you turn all of these on. No, no, night. no, 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 no. So they start 4:30 a.m., 4:40, 4:55, 5:08, 5:30, 5:56, 6:15, 6:30, 6:45, 6:45, 6:45, 6:45, 6:45, 6:45, 6:45, 6:45, 6:45, 6:45, 6:45, 6:45, 6:45, 
Oh, you gave up on cycling? I still cycle. <laughs> well, when it's nasty and cold and I don't Today really want to. Today was pretty gnarly. Yeah. You power through. You power Zachary, through. Zachary, I'm not as strong as you. <laughs> the rain never bothered me anyway. I was super underdressed today for cycling. I thought it was, oh, it's like it's warm. It's been warm a couple of days. It's nice now. So I only had like one light kind of hat thing. Oh. Well, I mean, I had long sleeves on top and bottom, but only kind of one light hat thing. And that definitely was not enough because I was super duper cold. Mm-hmm. And there was like kind of freezing rain that was coming down on my hands. And I was like, oh, no. Yep. So I decided to use the, uh, you know, Zen tactic where I became the cold. Interesting. Hmm. I was going down the hill. I was so cold. It was so uncomfortable. Then I was like, stop resisting. Become the cold. And that actually worked. <laughs> wow. That's actually kind of cool. Then I got in the overly hot IU buildings and it was uh, quickly washed away. And then I got too hot. Mm, oh my gosh. Yes. I have a terrible story about that. Oh boy. I took a calculus to 8 a.m. class because that was a good idea as a second year or a second semester freshman. Oh. <laughs> yeah. I took the class in Kirkwood Hall, which is super old on the third floor. Oh yeah. And that was... One of the winters, it was like negative 10 for like a few days. And I went to class and had to walk from the Third Street bus stop to Kirkwood Hall in oh. the like negative 10. Oh. Wearing all of the winter clothes and then got to Kirkwood Hall. <laughs> it was like 85 degrees in the classroom. <laughs> and so I, I like had like shorts and a t-shirt on underneath everything. And like oh basically gosh. took everything off <laughs> down to shorts and a t-shirt wow. at the end of the... By the time class started, That's it was insane. really funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love Kirkwood Hall. That's one of my favorite buildings. I love the history. That's why I took the, like, I picked the class there. Yeah. To get the chance to go be in the history of the, yeah, of the building. Absolutely. And then I was like, that was fun. Let's not do that again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So anyway. Sorry. No, 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 no. You're fine. I'm trying to remember where, where, what we were even talking about. We were at the, you talk about driving. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, aren't you fancy? And then we were, yeah, you were going on the bus and going to class. So for a 9.45 class, I had alarms set for 8.30, probably 8.35 and 8.45, and maybe probably 8.53 too. That 8.43 is like the last chance, like you have to be awake by this time to be able to like brush your teeth, grab something on the way out and go. Mm. Um, Because that's the thing. I don't, like if I hadn't taken the bus for that class, I probably would have set an alarm for like 9.10 and 9.25 and then just like jumped out of bed, hopped on my bike and zipped to class, you know? Um, but again, I mean, I just set a lot of alarms cause I like to go back to sleep in between. Hmm. Uh, but I, I will say most of my alarm sounds are constellation or presto. Those are my two. Oh, Oh no. Isn't yeah. that horrible? <laughs> that one gives me the underwater feeling too. Cause I did have that one on for a little while. Mm, yes. Like I think the ones I've used were are uh, radar. Yep, I've used yeah. that a lot. I've used that one for to wake up for a while. It's been so long since I've used it to wake up that like the underwater cold feeling is only a little bit there. It's like it's fading away. Uh, so I use Apple Watch and it does the vibration only for my first alarm. But if I'm not wearing my watch, if it's charging or whatever reason, it's the first light. I think that was the default and I never edited it. I didn't put too much time into making this mine. That's kind of nice, actually. But this also feels like pretty decent. <laughs> yeah, that's good. That's good. And it's like... I don't wake up when it first starts, but I'll wake up about here. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, it's time to wake up. <laughs> oh, wait, I have my other alarm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, and I think what's funny, I don't know if this has ever happened to you guys, but I used to use radar, I think. Or maybe it was just the alarm sound. Mm-hmm. But then one time I had a dream. I was having a dream. And in the dream, there was a person 
who was making the noise of the alarm. And I kept asking them to stop, mm. but they wouldn't stop. Oh, that's really weird. It was very strange. And then I woke up and I was like, oh, wait, that was just my alarm. <laughs> so then I had to change sounds because it wasn't working anymore. <laughs> but yeah, so I don't know that those are mine. I, I, I just think. I noticed musically in it the the at least on my phone the vibrations of I think constellation are offset from the beat and the rhythm of the the music. Mm. Oh really? To, to like add to the dissonance going on. Huh. That's Do you weird. feel the the vibration? Yeah, a lot of them a lot of them do have custom vibrations which kind of add yeah. to the coolness. Honorable mention Night Owl is definitely my favorite. Mm, that's not bad. I like that. So there was a rumor that Owl City, Adam Young of Owl City fame, actually worked on a lot of these because Night Owl sounds a lot like music he would make. Mm-hmm. I don't think this has been hard confirmed because obviously he'd be like sworn to secrecy if he worked with Apple and they wouldn't want him telling. But I think it was like, oh, he was on the credits of some something somewhere on, on, on iTunes. Hmm. And so people think that he did it. And I agree because Night Owl sounds a lot like something he'd make. And so does the my other honorable mention by the seaside. Oh, I love that one. I've never used that as my alarm, but I've always like, yeah, appreciated when someone same. else does. That would not wake me up, but I do love it. Right. It's so long. Currently, my alarm is set to silk. Silk. My, like, actually time to wake up alarm is set mm. to silk. Yeah, that's it. 100%. Sounds like Aladdin. Uh, no, that sounds like Hollow Knight. I don't put too much effort into it. I just, I pick something and it works for a while. And then, yeah, at one point I did like an, like a digital alarm, like, like one that you'd buy. That's like a clock and, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, hit the snooze button, all that. And then I had a, like an analog where it like actually rang bells, you know, mm. um, which that worked for a very long time. And then I would, I got so used to it that I started to grab it when it would happen and then I would stick my finger in between the hammer and the bells so it wouldn't go anymore. Huh. And then I would start missing things that I had in the morning because I wouldn't wake up. Wait, you'd fall asleep with your finger on there? Yeah, so like let's say I had to be somewhere at 9.30. If it went off at 8.30, because at that time I had to drive 30 minutes into town, I would just instinctively grab it from my my bedside and then like stick my finger into like in between the where the hammer hit the bells and then it wouldn't it wouldn't go anymore until then it wasn't doing it like because after a certain point it stops ringing. And so then that didn't work for me anymore. And I had to move on to just my phone. <sighs> Let me actually say my favorite. I think stop playing is my favorite. That's not a sound. What it does is when the timer finishes, it will press pause on whatever music you have. So that's kind of interesting. You could play a song and then enjoy your music, but set a timer for 10 minutes, and in 10 minutes, it will automatically pause. So it's just a sleep timer through the clock app. Oh, I see. Just on the timer function? Yep. You can't do that on an, on an alarm, can you? I don't believe so. That would actually be interesting. That I wish you could. Like, that's a serodernal move, because if you're sleeping the music, and then your alarm goes <laughs> off and stops the music playing, because I've thought about that, because I sleep with a fan, so if I had the fan... The fan's on HomeKit, so if I had a HomeKit automatically turn it off the time I wanted to wake up, I think I actually would wake up mm. when, when this like comforting noise goes away. I think it would. That's like the reverse of alarm. Instead of being loud and annoying you, it gets really quiet, and then you wake up. There's not a sound to to blame and a sound to be afraid of later on. That's true, but I get. I feel like eventually you get used to that because like I've already gotten used to falling asleep with no music at all, which is 
it only took like a week or like a two, like two Whoa. weeks maybe. Yeah. That's kind of crazy. Honestly. Yeah, I know. But now like, and I've talked about this on the podcast a little bit. Now it's become like a little time to just like take like seven deep breaths and like think about the day. And then I fall asleep. It's really cool. That's wild. I feel like you're not getting enough sleep, Joe. <laughs> you have so many alarms. You fall asleep after seven breaths. Well, you need to go to bed earlier and think of a better system for this. You're probably right. I'm going to agree with you on this one because I am in the same boat as Joe. Like I fall asleep almost instantly wow. when I want to. Wow. Which is really cool, to be honest. It's a superpower. Yeah. But we'll see. I can't do it, though, when I'm not like in bed. That's the thing. Right now, I, I can't. I have a really hard time falling asleep in like cars and mm. planes and stuff. It's um, harder for me, but I can still make it happen. Well, that's interesting because I the only time I can fall asleep is in my bed at the time it's time to go to sleep or in a bed. And so <laughs> that doesn't. That doesn't work. I, none of this fall. I don't think if you like put me on a plane, 13 hour flight, you'd probably just kill me or something because I could never fall asleep. What a great way to end the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I hope that's not how we end the podcast. That'd be horrible. Yeah, that would be pretty. We usually do end on a bad note, though. Almost always. You were talking about that last week. Yeah. And then, and then you got away from it and then you went back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we can't get away. I was, I was oh, driving yeah. all the way to work and I, I had a good laugh at that. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Oh, man. Thank you so much, Jacob, for being on the show. This alarm tier list is really great. And I'm so glad to hear that both of you have dysfunctional lives and dysfunctional sleep schedules. <laughs> That's 100% true. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we'll try to get better. How about that? Absolutely. We'll try to get better. But yes, thank you so much for taking the time to be on the show. Appreciate the time out of your very busy schedule. Thank you guys for having me. I love this. It's been good. It's been fun. Appreciate it. Jack, you better listen to this. Yes. <laughs>